in our industry, it's called paint grade. So it's a paint grade material. When you're wanting to paint something, it's an ultra smooth finish. Um, you're going to get the best results. If you're going to stain something, this is my tip, right? To remember this stain equals grain. Are we recording? Yes, we're recording. All right, let me take a drink of my matcha. Wow. Switching it up on us. Yeah, I I don't necessarily like the taste. I just... The news to me. (laughs) Like that it's a little better for me than coffee, first thing. Oh, okay. I'm just with the trend. Yeah. You know? I still drink a coffee every day. I just don't do (laughs) it when I... I just don't drink a coffee when I wake up now. Oh. Most of the time it's matcha or tea. Is matcha tea? uh, Yeah, I think so. Matcha tea. You also have a nighttime tea. Oh, I do. You've been on a nighttime tea trend. Come on, Taylor. People probably think I'm like this gruff dude, construction worker looking guy. No, no, leave it in there. That's fine. They'll probably say, wow, that guy's a caffeine addict. He's got a matcha in the morning, an afternoon coffee, and a tea at night. Hey, whatever you got to do, right? <laughs> Better than energy drinks. Better than energy drinks. And if my vice is caffeine, I'll, I'll, I think that's a win for sure. Yeah. What up, guys? Welcome Hi, back. Hi, guys. Welcome back. We are on episode nine today. Wow. Um, And yeah, excited to be recording again. Yeah. It's uh, a pleasure, for sure. Always. Today's topic is none other than fabrication tips. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Or maybe just tips in general that we've oh. le- that we've learned along the way. Well, at one point, we did a series on our Instagram. Well, I shouldn't say. A, well, I don't know. It was like an at, ongoing. At one point, I think we were a little bit better about sharing behind the scenes on event days. And so oftentimes when we were on site during the install, I would film and Brad would do some sort of tip mm-hmm. about the build. So, you know, a bunch of different things. And then I compiled them into a highlight that I shared on Instagram so that if there were other fabricators or other wedding vendors looking for just a quick like link to a few different tips or you know helpful insight into some of the things that we do for our builds they could just refer to this highlight and it had some fun kind of you know things in there to pull from but um since then i have removed the highlight oh (laughs) because we got uh other other things to highlight oh, we now filled in the up business. The, we filled up the and highlight. We well, and part of it too was that, yeah, we filled up our bubbles on our Instagram page, mm. but part of it too was that we have not submitted any new content. So the videos were a little dated. Most <laughs> of them, I think you're wearing a face mask in because oh, they were goodness. like circa 2020 and yeah. 2021. So when people clicked on it, it seemed a little, yeah, a little dated, dated, you know, no, this but is... it's all still good info. It's still stuff we do today. Yeah. Um, it's just, we haven't shared them in a while. So we wanted to get this into some sort of long form content Mm -hmm. that could live out there and people could refer back to. Um, so just tips in general from the details duo Yeah. after 
for five years in business in the wedding industry. So um, I think tip number one for me, uh, really like specifically as a fabricator or someone who creates an item for the event or wedding is it's important to figure out what market you want to service. For me, knowing uh, either the market or the customer that I'm wanting to service is really going to help me to understand um, how I'm going to build the item, how much time is going to go into the item. Um, Like, okay, specifically, like you have a few different in the wedding industry, you have a few different types of clients, right? You might have a really budget conscious client, which is okay. Like you might be on a super tight budget planning a wedding. You might be an average consumer, like middle of the road, have a, you know, decent budget, whatever that, whatever a decent budget is average. Don't know. Uh, you might be and Taylor will like this. It, this is a common term in like the fashion world, but you might be in like the contemporary market. You might be a contemporary client. Mm -hmm. You're above average. You're, you know, you like the nicer things. You're willing to spend a little bit more money, but you're not a luxury client. And for those who don't know, a contemporary brand in the fashion industry is like a Tory Burch, Michael Kors, where it's like hundreds of dollars for their products. Right. But then you get into, which you'll probably get to this next level, which isn't the highest of the high-end designers, which would be like your Chanel, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, right. those type of things. But it's still a, a more premium product. If you know the client that you're servicing, and this might change. Like, I'm not saying it has to be one of these things. But my tip would be know your client, know the category that they fall into, because that'll really help you to understand you know, how much effort you need to put into the work. If it's a super luxury client, you really got to dig into the details because you're probably charging a premium because they want it to be luxury Mm -hmm. versus if it's more of a budget client, you shouldn't be spending as much time on that product because they're budget conscious, Mm -hmm. but you still want to deliver that product. Where, Where, you know, this can get kind of, twisted or why I want to bring this up as a tip is if you really don't know your client and you go into it just pricing things you know the same every time you might get caught up on both ends like you might deliver a really premium product for the wrong price or you might under deliver for that luxury client because you didn't know that they were particular so just a tip know your client know what category they fall into. And you could even ask them like, Hey, are you super particular? I even do that at our retail store details depot. It's more of a DIY based clientele. That doesn't necessarily mean that you fall into one of those specific categories. So one minute we might be dealing with more of a budget conscious client. The next minute we might be dealing with a more contemporary client. Mm -hmm. I like to ask them where they fall. Because that might change my answer, mm-hmm. depending and on... And maybe you can also assess, I think, by asking them what their expectations are or what they see, what they value, I guess, in the build. Definitely. So, I'll give you an example. You might be a DIY client 
and you might be on a budget. So you're going to roll on your paint. You're going to go to Home Depot, you're going to buy a paint roller, and you're going to buy the cheapest paint possible. Well, I'll tell you what, that product is going to look good, but it's not going to look the, the best it can look. Versus if you're more particular and you want a higher quality looking product, then you're probably going to spray your paint, which means you're going to spend a little bit more money on the material of paint, the type of paint, and you're probably going to invest in a sprayer or you're going to rent a sprayer from Home Depot for the day to get your product to look a little nicer. So, mm-hmm. Oh, I just thought of another example yeah. too. And this happens with sometimes with clients, but also planners is our builds like a wall, for yeah. instance. Some people ask, or I think we've grown to ask about the thicker sides. Yeah. Because to some, when they see displays on Instagram and it has more depth to the displays, to them, it makes the build seem more substantial, maybe more of a luxury type product. Yep. Other people don't care about the sides. Right. Or maybe it's that, you know, there's been times where we've fabricated larger sides to help hide the mechanics in the back. And that was important to the client. But it also came at a cost. That build was more expensive. For sure. But they saw value in that. And maybe it was more of the luxury client that those type of things mattered. Other people don't care. And if the wall is, you know, four inches. Right in depth than whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. No, (laughs) Taylor's doubting herself, but she (laughs) is a hundred percent right. Cause I don't build the stuff. So I feel like I can't speak to it, but it's like, you know, like, you know, that client though, that it's like, well, are you going to build it like this? And it's like, well, do you want us to build it like that? No. So if that's important to you, that's something that's good for us to know. Yeah. And this is exactly what I'm saying. An average consumer might be okay with a standard four inch depth, a contemporary consumer, they might want to spend a little bit more money for deeper sides, right? So that we hide most of our mechanics. Guess what? A luxury client might want us to add a full back to mm-hmm. the display so that you don't there is no opportunity to see anything that's holding that build up and everything looks finished. Yeah. 360 degrees around. Guys, that's the difference. Yeah. If you know your client or you at least ask the right questions, you're going to be able to deliver the product that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be able to meet the expectation and basically align your pricing with what they're looking for and what they're wanting to spend. So tip one and a half, I guess <laughs> that is. Um, tip number two, if you're in the wedding industry or the event industry and you do any weddings outside, you should download this app. It's called AccuWeather. Okay. It is by Amen. far the most accurate weather app that I've ever used. That's why it's called AccuWeather. Correct. You got to pay for it. Just it's worth it. Specifically for us, what we do is we open that app and we look directly at something called wind speed. (laughs) So we're in Phoenix in the fall and the spring during our most popular times of year. We're doing a lot of our events outside. Well, Something that you can't necessarily control is the weather. More specifically for us is the wind. The wind is such a detriment to our builds because when we put something up, it's semi-permanent. We're not able to fasten that to the concrete or, you know, drill into the side of a building. So 
the wind speed matters for us. When we open that app the day before, if the wind speed is 10 miles an hour, we're bringing a certain amount of weight to secure the backdrop. If the wind speed is 25 or 30 miles an hour, we might be talking to the planner to see or say that we need to relocate the display either to a different part of the, the venue or maybe inside. Mm -hmm. So tip number two is know your weather. Specifically, if you're a fabricator or you're doing anything outside, you got to understand <laughs> you know, what you're up against yeah. and you got to pivot and make moves depending on what the weather is going to look like. So yeah, if you guys aren't looking at the wind speed and you're putting up backdrops and you're not changing the amount of weight that you're bringing, that would be like, I mean, I would change that boom right now. Mm -hmm. Like so important. Yeah. Cause you don't want the wall to fall. No. Cause then it's a poor reflection on you. Uh, yeah. And it's a safety hazard. It is a safety hazard. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. Safety hazard number one for sure, but yeah. Um, okay, this is a funny one. Um, another tip for us is <laughs> always bring touch-up paint because you never know like what's going to happen on site. You're most of the time you're having to move all of your builds or items from wherever you made it into a truck or vehicle trailer, and then off that. There's a lot of hands on it. There's a lot of things that can happen. If you just like bring little cups of touch-up paint with you, you'll be able to fix most things. And it won't look perfect. It won't look like it did at the shop. But it'll look good enough to where, you know, if that wall was blue mm -hmm. and it got a, you know, a huge gash in it and now you can see the white primer behind it, well, you're going to notice that. But if you bring touch-up paint and you can cover the white up and make it blue again people probably aren't going to really notice the small imperfections. Well, so the reason why I said it was a funny tip is because one time, I think we talked about this in one of our podcasts. Our, our installation yeah. horror stories. One time my touch-up paint spilled mm -hmm. and it got all over the, the cobblestones at the venue if you didn't listen to that podcast. Um, but if you did, you know why it's funny. Um, Episode six. Yeah, so tip like, you know, 0.5 to that one would be make sure your paint is sealed mm -hmm. and uh and if it, it tips over it doesn't spill all over the place yeah um all right so talking about paint but moving on um one tip that i can give people is i see a lot of people out there that are using the wrong materials for their builds specifically when they're building walls i see a lot of people using plywood for their wall and while it gets the job done it's not, um, it's not always the right material. And so one little tip that I always tell people is if you're going to paint the wall, like if you're going to paint the wall a color, then you should use what's called MDF. MDF is by far the best material to use when you're in our industry, it's called paint grade. So it's a paint grade material. When you're wanting to paint something, it's an ultra smooth finish. Um, you're going to get the best results. If you're going to stain something, this is my tip, right, to remember this. Stain equals grain. Plywood and other sheet good materials that have grain in them should only be used if you need, one, a natural wood look, or two, if you're going to be staining something. 
plywood with grain or any sheet good with grain and for that matter should never be used if you're painting why because you'll be able to see the grain <laughs> through the paint and it won't be a smooth finish mm-hmm. so guys it's not about price plywood is not cheaper start using mdf you're gonna get a better finish regardless of if you roll or spray your paint which leads me to my next tip and do a little plug for who oh for details depot i thought you were gonna say which is why we sell mdf products in our backdrops at details depot a good point how do i add that on there setting people up for success giving them the good foundational materials you know that's fine i said it boom um so next tip i'm i promise i'm going to get out of the paint category but when you're a fabricator i mean paint is so important because it's what people notice like the quality of your finish really on like a contemporary or, or luxury level, I feel like really makes you stand out. And I mean, I take a lot of pride in our paint. I come from the cabinet industry where, you know, all of our, all of our paint is cabinet quality grade, right? My tip to you guys, if you're looking to- Sherwin-Williams, please sponsor us. Sherwin-Williams. Shout out Sherwin-Williams, please sponsor us. Um, if you're looking to up your game, if you're looking to increase your pricing, if you're looking to just challenge yourself and become a better fabricator, do not roll on your paint. Like, and and if you're listening to this and you're just an average consumer and you're buying from Details Depot, rolling on your paint is fine. Like I'm talking about if you're providing a product for someone and you're wanting to be in that contemporary or luxury market you should not be rolling on your paint why because if you roll on your paint no matter how good of a roller you use you're gonna get texture if you look at cabinet quality painting there's no texture on the cabinets it is a perfectly smooth finish and the only way that you can achieve that is by spraying so i would encourage anybody out there if you're rolling on your paint Go buy the cheapest paint sprayer you can. You can buy like a Wagner from Home Depot that plugs in for like, I think, 60 or 80 bucks. Start with that. You don't have to go out there and buy a $3,000 sprayer. Okay. You don't even have to go out there and buy a $500 sprayer. Just start spraying because you are going to notice a difference right off the bat. And I think that you'll in turn be more proud of your work. And you'll be able to charge more for your work. Now, Bradley, I have a question for you. Sure. What about spray paint? Spray paint? Mm-hmm. I don't use it. I know you don't. <laughs> Listen, there's a time and there's a place for everything. But using cans of spray paint for a wall, to me, is just inadequate. You know, there's much more efficient ways to do things. Listen, if you want to go buy $10, $12 cans of spray paint and you want to bake that into your price, go ahead. But it's not very efficient. It takes longer. 
frankly, it's more waste. I'm also talking about like the female DIYer that when you're saying spray your paint, she's going, okay, I'm at Home Depot. I'm not going to buy a roller. Got it. But I need paint that sprays. Oh, I'll just get spray paint. Is that what he means? Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. You know what I mean? What I, so I don't mean a can of spray paint. I mean, you're buying a gallon of paint or a quart of paint and you have a paint sprayer machine and you're putting the paint in the machine and you're using the machine to spray the paint. That's it. Just playing devil's advocate here. No, no, it's good. It's good. Um, Thank you. Because I know sometimes I lose sight of the fact that people may not know what I'm talking about. You know, just the other day at Depot, I was talking to somebody about how to screw the backdrop in from the L base. And they're like, we don't even own a drill. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Like there are super successful people out there who have just never owned a drill. But I lose sight of that because I use a drill every day, Mm -hmm. you know? So to someone else who doesn't, has never had to use a drill, like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Whereas I'm over here like, yeah, just grab your drill, Mm -hmm. you know? inch and a quarter bit you yeah know? you just assume everybody has the same yeah. tools that you so do. thank you taylor for you know slowing me down on some of that stuff sure yeah um you got any tips well what's funny is you went in kind of a different direction because i thought your tips were going to be like some of the things that we plugged on wedding days but i like your tips thank you they are um very informative and helpful but I might have a the few ones other that ones that I here. were th- I was thinking about are like specific, yeah, um, tools or or tools items. Or brands yeah, or I got some on this. Oh, list. okay, okay. I wasn't sure if you were getting there. Um, I just wanted it's to. Been. I like it. Yeah, so I inst- like the mix of everything. Yeah, instead of just like throwing out a bunch of items that we use, mm-hmm. I wanted to mix it up and. Um, I know it's good. Try to provide some really good content for mm-hmm. people. It's good. Um, Okay, here's one for you guys. If you ever have to screw something in or drill something on site after you've painted it or after you've finished the piece, you never want to leave the exposed screw or fastener. I mean, you shouldn't because then your piece looks unfinished. So what we do is we use something called a fast cap. It's also called a cover cap. What it is is this little adhesive circle that's PVC on the outside, and you can actually paint these little PVC circles the same color as your wall. Okay, so you take your fast caps, you're spraying your wall blue. I don't know why I'm fixated on blue today. Because you spilled the blue paint. Yeah, probably. (laughs) You're spraying your build blue, your wall. You take your fast caps, and you lay them down, and you spray your fast caps the same color. Now you have color-matched little circles that when you screw things on site, you just peel that sucker off and pop it on the wall, and it covers your fastener. It's literally amazing. People use it all the time in cabinetry. People use it all the time in finish work. Again, know your customer. If you're dealing with like more contemporary or luxury client, you want to be prepared. Mm-hmm. You don't want to leave unfinished builds out there and leaving... Uh, exposed fastener is definitely unfinished yeah in my opinion yeah i think we have high expectations or high standards for ourselves too for and sure. we always take pride in our work and so something as simple as that even though it's such a small detail yeah 
that's, you know, frankly, probably one, what sets us apart, but two, Mm -hmm. it's something that's important to us because it just enhances the build that much more. Absolutely. I agree. Cost is minimal. Time add is minimal. Um, You're going to spray anyway, so why not just take a few more seconds and spray the fast cap? Shout out fast cap. Please sponsor us too. Mm -hmm. No, we'd rather have Sherwin Williams. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that. What's What's that guy's name like? Paul Akers. Oh, yeah. Paul Akers. If you're really into business, which you should be if you're listening to our podcast, um, if you YouTube Paul Akers, uh, he's the owner of FastCap, but he's done some tremendous things with just business education and uh, furthering success in business and how to set your business up for success. I mean, he owns a product-based business primarily in the woodworking industry, but he definitely has shifted his content more towards you know, teaching people how to grow a successful business. It's wild. Check it Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. And one thing that he does that I love is that he has his employees do one improvement every year or they have to find a solution to something. You're pretty much right. Something along those lines. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty cool. So everybody that works at FastCap has the autonomy to make improvements in the business. So what he has done is created a culture in the company to give the employees the opportunity to make improvements around them. And he says that you shouldn't struggle when you go to work. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you come into fast cap and your job is to be putting a product in a clamshell, clamshell is like a plastic, you know, cover. Um, you shouldn't struggle. Like you should, it should be so easy for you that it's no stress. So if you see something that can be improved in that process, guess what? Go ahead, improve it. Mm -hmm. And where Taylor's getting at is every year, and if you look it up on YouTube, it's really cool. Every year he goes around to all of his employees and he asks them what their favorite improvement was from that year. Mm, Okay. So while they're making improvements every day, what Taylor's talking about is their favorite improvement of the entire year. So it's pretty cool. It's very impactful as a business mm-hmm. owner. Because, very empowering for their employees yeah. too, to feel like they yeah. have the ability to make those improvements. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. If I could just adopt like 15% of what he does, I know. it would really make me feel more fulfilled, which we try to. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, another one. If you're fabricating something and you're taking it on site, I always say, if you can fasten it, do it. And what I mean by that is if you can screw something to something else to adhere it or fasten it, do it. Hence why we use fast caps a lot because we use a lot of fasteners. We use a lot of screws or pin nails. Mm -hmm. The reason being is it is a much more controllable product than any adhesive out there. Glue dots, double-sided tape, gorilla tape, command strips, fishing line, the list goes on. If you can screw it, do it. Boom. <laughs> You're just going to you just have peace of mind that if you can sink that screw into a sign into your backdrop versus relying on double-sided tape to hold it all day, why not? Yeah. And also you should be building with that in mind. You should be fabricating with that in mind. Not only 
for your peace of mind, but for the safety of everybody else at the event, knowing that that product is going to be securely fastened when you leave. Mm -hmm. Or when you're pitching concepts or displays or design ideas, you should factor that in. Absolutely. Knowing that aesthetically, the fastener might be seen, but understanding that you're going to do it in a in a way that it will be aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. Which is often why I think we use metal standoffs. Because it still looks nice. It still looks elegant and beautiful. It doesn't really take away from the builds. Right. But you're able to screw in a standoff, yep. but then essentially cover it Correct. in a way. Yeah. And if you don't know what a standoff is, go look it up. It's very commonly used in the sign industry. But to Taylor's point, there were, in the early days, there were times that we were adhering acrylic signage with adhesive and mm-hmm. glue. and Or glue dots. Or glue dots. Reference episode six as part of our installation horror stories. Minute 12.4. <laughs> Just kidding. But here's the thing. If you don't know that you're going to use standoffs, you will be ill-prepared in that when you go to make your sign, you don't have holes for the standoffs, mm-hmm. right? But if you go into it knowing that you're going to fabricate with standoffs, you're going to laser cut your holes in the acrylic or CNC holes, right? Yeah. Or whatever. You're going to account for the holes being there. Mm-hmm. Knowing the type of fastener that you're going to use. Yeah. yeah. You can't do it after the fact because Uncle Jim's name can't have a standoff going through <laughs> <Yeah>. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. So my final tip for everybody would be Either outsource work when possible or when you don't feel 100% comfortable with the request that's coming in that might be a necessity in your build or, you know, slash ask questions when you're unsure. Maybe you don't know how to weld something, but somebody wants something made out of metal Or maybe you need to make metal mechanics to hold up your build, but you're not a welder. Instead of trying to figure out how to weld, maybe outsource that to someone who is a full-time welder. Or if you're doing something that you've never done before, instead of struggling through it to try to figure it out in hopes that you get to the end, why not take an hour Go research on Instagram who's done something like that before. Whether they're in your category or not, maybe they're a competitor. The least you could do is ask, and the worst thing that's going to happen is they don't respond. But if you're unsure and you take the time to either outsource it or ask the question to someone who is a little bit more knowledgeable than you, that could be so helpful to you in a way that no tool or anything like that could do for your business if if you can obtain the knowledge instead of you know struggling through it or you know trying to get there but then not getting all the way just you know that would if you don't know anybody you could be resourceful and go on youtube yeah i mean how many youtube videos have you watched great point taylor i mean so many you know so many it was the first time going into it and you didn't know who to ask yeah there's yep. plenty of tutorials and tips and things on YouTube, so and it's free content, yep. so utilize it. Yeah, so, you know, in the it's event... the beauty of the internet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And without 
so many more words. <laughs> um, you don't have to struggle through everything. Yeah. And I think that it's been a hard road for me to get to that point because um, I have been there. You know, I've struggled through a lot mm-hmm. and I've really tried to just figure it out myself yeah. while still, you know, looking things up on YouTube. But I didn't do this enough. I wish I would have like looking back year one and two. I wish I just would have reached out to somebody who was a little bit more professional than I was mm-hmm. or that I knew had been doing something more. Now, granted, I learned a lot, but I really struggled to get to this point. And I think if I would have just outsourced more, I would have learned more. If I would have just asked more questions to people who I knew were more senior than me, mm-hmm. I would have I would have got there so much faster. For sure. So outsource when you can, when it's necessary, and ask questions. It's good. That's really like my top, top tips. That's all I'm going to give you for free. <laughs> um, no, and you know what? If you're if you're a DIYer and you're local to Phoenix and you come into Depot, um, we help so many people on the daily. Like if they ask a question in Depot, we're giving them as much as we can. Like we are not holding anything back. We're trying to help them help themselves. So if you guys are struggling in the DIY category, you're trying to do it yourself, you can do it. It is possible. And if you need help, come into Depot and we'll try to help you. Yeah, it's good. All right, guys. So that wraps up our tips for you. Um, We really hope you enjoyed that. There's many more things that we can share, but those were really the top ones that we think are going to be the most impactful for you. We really appreciate you listening to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we just hope this stuff helps. Yeah, it's been a fun, fun journey for us. Fun to think of different topics and have a platform to be able to share our knowledge and Um, just connect with other people in the industry. I think it's brought a lot of people together and, you know, be able to have these candid conversations continually. Yeah. And I mean, obviously this is a shameless plug, but, um, if you're listening to this and you got value out of it, please share it because, you know, that's by far the best way to get this content out. We're not, we don't have a huge following. Um, you know, maybe you're listening to this and, you have a larger following than us or you have people following you that aren't following us that you think could really get something out of this please share for us because that's why we're doing this we want to we want to create awareness out of our specific category uh, our journey in business and really we just want to help other people so if you got value out of this we'd really appreciate it if you share so with that thank you guys so much we got one more podcast coming for you And then we're going to wrap up the series. Mm -hmm. We're pretty excited that we are almost to the end. Yep. And with that. Yeah, that's all we got. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye.